0: everybody. It's a privilege to be back with um, part of our family, really, uh, at C3, and um, yeah, so it's a joy to be here. Um, I've been asked to speak on the topic of should Christians be involved in politics, but I want to rephrase that question in this way. Should the children of the kingdom be involved in the affairs of this world? So that's the question that we want to pose. And I want to deal with that by spending time in Matthew 19. So if you have your Bibles, uh, electronically or in your paper Bibles, open it up to Matthew 19 because we'll spend the rest of our time in Matthew 19. Because the Gospel of Matthew is the Gospel of the Kingdom. It starts in Matthew 1:1 1, 1 with the book of the genealogy or the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham. And Matthew says that uh, advisedly deliberately because when he says he's the son of David he's saying he's the king and then the seed of Abraham the promised Messiah. You remember when the angel when the shepherds uh, the wise men rather come into Jerusalem they say where is he that is born? the king of the Jews. And the Sermon on the Mount is the kingdom manifesto. This is what the kingdom is like. And then he demonstrates his power in Matthew 8 and 9. The kingdom parables in Matthew 13 tells us what the kingdom is like in this this world. And then in Matthew 16, he takes them to Caesarea Philippi with a place full of idols And there Peter makes the declaration, you are the Christ. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church. He said, I'm going to overcome all these idols. In Matthew 21, he rides into Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes. And then we have the key verse of the book is Matthew 27, verse 5, where Pilate says to him, are you the king of the Jews? And some translations say, put it like, that's what you say. But the, the better sense is, you've got it. When Pilate said, I, the king of the Jews, Jesus said, you've got it. That was in his inscription on the cross. And then after his death and resu- glorious resurrection, he, Matthew 28, go therefore and make all power, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching, and lo, I'm with you always to the close of the age. He has assumed his kingdom in part. It'll come in full. And so Matthew 19 fits into this grand story, because it says in verse one, it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the area of Judea beyond Jordan. So he had finished his Galilean ministry. That started in Matthew 4:12, when John was imprisoned, John the Baptist. And he goes into Galilee, spends three years there. He does preaching to us, ministering, healing, specs that make some trips to Jerusalem. But now that chapter is closed, and he's setting his face to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross. And Matthew, in this chapter, as it were, takes a bit of a pause. So you see in movies sometimes you have a bit of a pause and you have like a flashback and summarize what's happened. So Matthew takes us back here in this chapter to the kingdom in creation. That's verses 4 to 6, and he takes us right back to the beginning. And then from verse uh, 7 onwards, he's talking about the kingdom in this age, the kingdom in the age of corruption, and we'll see why that is. And finally, from verse 28, in the regeneration, the kingdom in the age of consummation, when the king will reign in his glory, will sit on his throne. And we'll look at that outline as we come to consider this question, should the children of the kingdom be involved in the affairs of this world? So let's pray and ask God to bless us. Father, we thank you that we have this precious book, the Bible. We thank you that it gives us life. And we pray that you would speak through the Spirit of God, through the pages of this wonderful chapter, through this unworthy servant, to bring food to our hearts, nourishment to our souls, and glory to Jesus. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Matthew 19, verse 1, gives us the first answer to our question. Should the children of the kingdom be involved in the affairs of this world? It says, came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings, he left Galilee and came into the coast of Judea. The first gospel answer to our question is Jesus came. He came into this world. The answer of Islam to the problems of our world is that Allah gives some decrees to Muhammad and we have to do them. The answer of the Buddha to the problems of this world is withdrawal. Desires wrong, you have to withdraw. The answer of paganism is worship separated from anything you do in life. Worship for your own purposes. So the whole pagan world, Hinduism and the the aboriginal religions, etc. is you do things to get something from the spirits or from God. But the answer of Jesus is Jesus comes into our world and engages with it to bring deliverance. So the first answer to our question, should the children of the kingdom be involved in the affairs of this world, is yes, because Jesus came. But then we see in verse 5, the Pharisees come and put to him a question. They're tempting him. They're doing the devil's work. Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And so right there, Jesus is faced with a question that goes to the fundamental structure of our society, marriage. Should a man be able to divorce his wife easily, just for any reason? And in answering that, Jesus takes them, us right back to the kingdom in creation. And he says, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and cleave or be joined, glued to his wife, and that two shall be one flesh? No more two, but one flesh. In that passage, Jesus in the Bible steps right in to the big issue of our day. The big issue of our day is, can you choose what you are? Can you choose to be a boy if you're a girl or a girl if you're a boy? You'll see it all the newspapers, all the issues about trans and sport and people like J.K. Rowling being cancelled because she said there is such a thing as a woman. And Jesus steps right into it and he says... He which made them, so we pause there, he's saying to us that you are made by God, you're not an accident of atoms bouncing around, you are made, you're a created being, and he made them, at the beginning, male and female, that's a very important verse to hang on to in our society today, because God says there is, human beings are male or female, and that's Scientifically true, but God speaks to that. So, in the second answer to our question, should the children of the kingdom be involved in the affairs of this world? Is yes, because we need to tell people how we were meant to be. This is how we were meant to be, male and female. But then he steps into the other most important relationship in life, in marriage, and says, for this cause, Shall a man leave father and and cleave to his wife who shall be one flesh? So if you think about it, in the garden there, was, there, were no husbands, there were no fathers and mothers at that stage. It was just Adam and Eve. But God is looking forward and thinking about this world in which there will be community. So there will be a leaving, so a man will leave his father and mother. It's a very strong word, abandon. Not that you abandon them emotionally and things, but you form a new entity. And Cleve be glued together with his wife, super glued to his wife, if you like. And they'll become, in a mysterious way, one flesh, physically, spiritually, emotionally, two becoming one. And so, the... Prevailing teaching of our world today is human autonomy. So I can choose to be a boy or a girl because I'm autonomous. I'm free completely of anything. All the things like abortion and euthanasia, etc., come because of human autonomy. But the Bible says that we were created for community, not autonomy community with each other in marriage and family and in fellowship in a body, but then fellowship with God. That was the way we were meant to be. Living in unity, in community. And so should the children of the kingdom be involved in the affairs of this world? Yes, because we need to show people how it was meant to be. This messed up world is not how it was meant to be, and every time a young man and a young woman get married in Christ and stick together, that's a picture of what it was meant to be, it's it's a memory, it's a historical memory to to our society that this world is not how it was meant to be, there was something far, far better planned for us. And so the children of the kingdom have to be involved in the affairs of this world to show people how it was meant to be, so that we do not forget. But that, from that wonderful picture of the kingdom in creation, the author brings us right into this world, into the messed up nature of this world, because the Pharisees say to him, verse 7, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorce and put her away. And he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, allowed, not commanded, allowed you to put away a wife, wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And in that statement in verse 8, Jesus hits on the central problem of humanity, of all of us. Because he says, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. Hardness of your heart is one word in the Greek. It's sclerocardia. Remember that word. Write it down. Sclerocardia. Sclerosis of, is hardness. So if you have sclerosis, sclerosis of your arteries, that's very, very serious. Because you could have a rupture and you could die. And Jesus is saying that the central problem of all of us is a hard heart. That's our problem. That's your problem. That's my problem. And so the greatest need of all of us is for a new heart. And if you look at verse 28, the word regeneration is only used twice in the New Testament. Once here and once in Titus 3, 5 which says he saved us, not by deeds done by us in righteousness he saved us, but by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's the personal regeneration, the miracle of a new life by the Spirit of God in the heart of every individual. We're saying this is a house of miracles. Every Christian is a divine, is a miracle. Because every Christian is someone that God has entered into him personally by the Spirit of God, bringing repentance, a new life, and a new heart, a soft heart, a heart of flesh, not a hard heart. So if you're here in the house of God, and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower, a child of the kingdom, you are a miracle. And if you're here just investigating, your greatest need is for new life. And the children of the kingdom have to be involved in the affairs of this world so that the affairs of this world make it easy for the spread of the gospel. One of the key functions of human government, we are told in 1 Timothy chapter 2, is to allow people to hear the word of God. So we have to be involved in the affairs of our society so that this message, this most important message of the greatest needs of our heart, a new heart, can get out to people so they can be saved. But then Jesus, the, the, the story goes on, and Jesus deals with marriage in our society, in our world with the kingdom in corruption. And he says, whoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commits adultery. And whoever is married to her which is put away does commit adultery. And so he is saying, in this age of corruption, marriage is still meant to be for life. Because he's, he's telling us that when you're married, a person gets married, it's, it's a picture throwback to that age of creation. And it's a reminder to us, this is how it was meant to be. And so God gives us laws in this age of corruption to remind us of of what he requires of us, but also what he he meant us to be, what he means us to be. And, And we see that coming out in the story as the young man comes to him in verse 16 and says, good master... What shall I do that I may have eternal life? So, this young man had some perception. He knew that there was something wrong with him. And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. If you will enter into life, keep the commandments. He says, Which? And Jesus says, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And in that law is a picture of how we were meant to be and how we are meant to be. And then Jesus lifts the ante a little bit and he says in verse 10, as he always did, because he, his whole ministry in the, in the Sermon on the Mount to say, you have heard it was said, I say unto you, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he's telling us that the heart of the commandments, the heart of the Ten Commandments, is love. To love God, it tells us in Matthew 22, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul says in 1 Timothy, the end of the commandment is love that proceeds from a pure heart and a sincere faith. So... God is telling us that we weren't created to be hard-hearted people fighting for ourselves. We were created to be people of love, to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. And everything in this world is designed to suppress God's truth. So the children of the kingdom have to be involved in the affairs of this world, to make God's truth known. And we see that as the story goes on because the young man says, look, all these things have I kept from my youth. What lack I yet? Jesus says, if you will be perfect, go and sell what you have, give it to the poor, you shall have treasure in heaven, come follow me. And he, when he heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. That's grieved like childbirth in intense pain because he had great riches. And in that young man and in his reaction, we see our world because that young man wanted eternal life. That's why he asked the question. But he wanted something more than eternal life. He wanted his money. And what Jesus does is he exposes this young man's heart. And you see that as he goes on. Because he says it's very hard for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The disciples say, how how then can be saved? Jesus said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What's possible? It's possible for even a rich man, even a hard-hearted young man like this man to be saved. Because Jesus, when he said that statement to the young man, go, what you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Didn't really intend for that man to have to do that. What he wanted to do was he was taking a CT scan and exposing this young man's heart. He wanted this young man to see that he wasn't a very good man who just needed to do a little bit more to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He wanted this young man to see that he was completely lost. A complete hard heart. And all he could do was to cry, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's what God's about. And the whole aim of our society is to suppress God's truth. To stop people seeing what they are really like. So in Romans it says the gospel is that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. And then it says the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress, who hold back the truth. That is what our society is doing. And if you trace it from the 60s in the sexual revolution, our society said sexual relations outside of marriage are good. The, the thinking that sexual relations are only between, to be had in marriage was wrong. In the 70s, we said marriage for life is wrong. Divorce is, should be easy in the 80s we said when God says sexual relations between those of the same sex is wrong, that's wrong. And it's got to be allowed. In 2017, we as a society said, God's view that marriage is between a man and a woman is wrong. And marriage can be between anybody. And now we're saying God's view that we are made male and female is wrong and you can choose whatever you want to be. So the whole structure and the push of our society is to suppress God's law. And so the answer to the question, should the children of the kingdom be involved in the affairs of this world is yes because we have to uphold God's law. We have to tell people God's law. Because it's good for them. They need to hear God's law. They need to be protected from their own desires. But also, if God's law is not held up to people, to men and women, they cannot be saved. Because they cannot know their own condition. We cannot know our own condition. If Jesus hadn't held up this CT scan to this young man's heart, he would not have known what his heart was really like. If somebody hadn't brought to my attention the corruption of my own heart, I would not have known that I was under the judgment of God. And there are people, millions in our world today, most of the people we'll meet tomorrow, who do not know these things, who do not know that it's wrong to commit murder, who do not know it's wrong to commit adultery, who do not know that it's wrong to lie, who do not know that it's wrong to, not to honor your father and mother or not to love your neighbor as yourself, who believe that living for yourself is all there is. And we have to be involved in the affairs of this world to uphold God's truth so they can know, so they can be saved. We don't do that as some sort of moral thing, although morality is good, we do it for the sake of the gospel. And it's also true that the children of the kingdom should be affairs, involved in the affairs of our world because of that is what the church has done in history. So I heard yesterday of a lady named Josephine Butler who was a Christian feminist leader in the 1870s. And she learnt that in London, children from as young as five were being bought and sold into prostitution. So she went to an editor of a newspaper and told him this story, and he thought, well, the best way is to go and prove it. So he went and found a girl, bought a five-year-old girl for five pounds. And then to protect her, they sent her away to France till she was educated, and they brought her back. And then they publicized this story. And they worked and worked until a law was passed to, to say that you, uh, you couldn't have uh, sexual relations under the age of 16. That's, that's still the current law. So, this was in history a godly woman saying a corrupt thing happening as a result of hardness of heart and doing something about it. You can trace almost every good thing in our society back to a Christian root. Labor laws, proper mental care for the ill, even public transport was a Christian concept by the French thinker Blaise Pascal Chariots for the poor. And so we have to be involved in the affairs of, the children of the kingdom have to be involved in the affairs of this world because this is what we've always done. The church of Jesus Christ has always been involved for the sake of others. And lastly, Jesus takes us to the kingdom in the age of consummation. And he says in verse 28, you which have followed me in the regeneration, that's when everything will be made new, when there'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears for the former things have passed away. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will reign and the king will sit on his throne in glory. You judge the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or children or fathers or mothers, etc., for My name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. So the children of the kingdom need to be involved in the affairs of this world to show people in this world that there's a better world coming. Every time we live and talk and act out the truth of the gospel and share the truth of the gospel, we are prophetically stating that there's a better world coming. This world, this messed up world, and this world is completely, absolutely and utterly messed up. But every time we speak the truth, every time we live the truth, We are proclaiming to this world there is a better way. There is hope. There is something more coming. And that's what people need to hear desperately. But as we close, I just want to bring it back to each of us. Because the greatest need of your heart is for regeneration. So if you're here in the house of God and you've never had that personal life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ to give you a new heart, that is your greatest need. And don't wait. You can today call on the name of Jesus. This young man, there are three things he could have done after he left. In verse 22, he could have gone home and thought, he's right. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. He could have gone home and lived for the rest of his life in agony. Wanting to do it, can't do it. Wanting to do it, can't do it. he probably wouldn't have lasted long because you can't live with that sort of agony. And that's what's happening to our society with mental health issues. Or he could have hardened his heart further and said, look, yeah, that was a bit of a youthful exuberance on my part. He was wrong. Look, I'm a good bloke. And hardened his heart and the end for him would would be hell. And they're the three options that each of us face today. If you're not in Christ, they're the three options. You can humble yourself. You can live in agony. Or you can harden your heart. And the end is hell. But if you're here as a child of God, a child of the kingdom, Peter said, We have left all and followed you. And Jesus said, Everyone that has forsaken houses, brethren, fathers, sisters, mother, wife, children, for my sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Get involved in the affairs of this world for the sake of the gospel. And you will receive a hundredfold in this life. But most importantly, you will receive eternal life. And there is nothing Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this messed up old world is not how it was meant to be. It's not how it will be. And we, as children of the kingdom, Lord, want to bring little changes so we can show people how it should be. And we can bring people in to know the truth of how it is now in Jesus. And also, Father, that we would uphold your laws to protect people from themselves. So we pray for each of us here that the Spirit of God would so move our heart that to the question, should the children of the kingdom be involved in the affairs of this life? We would say yes, because we want to follow you and forsake all and be with you wherever you are. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.